welcome everyone to episode 54 of Today in the Scene. I'm Joe with Indie Arcade Wave, and this week we're going to be doing something a little bit different. Um, I just want to say thank you before we start to everybody that's been checking out the channel, sharing, subscribing, things like that. It means a lot to us. And I kind of wanted to revisit some of our previous episodes and talk about advice for indie developers. We have a lot of people that are jumping on here that are checking out the channel that are either looking to build their own cabinet or start producing their own game. And I think we've gotten a lot of really good advice from indie developers over the past year that we've been doing this. And I just wanted to throw some of the recent ones that I got that really stood out to me. So I've got, I believe, five clips here um, from different developers, different projects, kind of touching on different things to expect when going into an indie project. Um, before we jump into it, though, I just want to say, if you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, it means a lot to us. If you'd like, share, and subscribe, whether you're on the podcast or you are on YouTube, and we have some new merch coming out. We got some pins coming, some stickers, car vinyls. Uh, we're working on shirts, things like that in the future. So if you're interested in any of that stuff, keep an eye on the Instagram page, and we will let you know there when it's coming out. So... The first clip that I've got today that I wanted to show you guys is from episode 39. It's the interview with Matt Glanville. Um, for anybody that's not familiar with him or is following the indie scene with indie arcades, um, you would know him probably best for Switch and Shoot. He has developed a whole bunch of other games. He is UK-based, um, constantly working on new games, and he's got one that's in the works right now. There's a demo for it on Steam. Um, I'll throw the link in the description so you guys can check it out if you want to play it. But he gives some great advice to new indie devs, kind of all about aiming small. Um, you don't want to go too big with your initial plan because building a game by yourself actually takes quite a bit more time and energy than you think. So it's better to start small, aim small, have a little functional goal before you start building on it. Uh, basically, don't bite off more than you can chew. So here's that clip. Enjoy. Gotcha. So along the line of developing... Any tips you would have for new developers getting just getting started? Um, tips for new developers, I think, like, this is something that I think a lot of people say, but it's, it's worth repeating, um, which is that you should really aim small. Um, and when you think you're aiming small, you should probably aim even smaller because you're not aiming small enough. Um, so, like, it's really easy to to get grand ideas in your head or even what you think don't think are grand ideas but are actually will take a really long time to implement and a really long time to um iterate on and get to a state that you're happy with um that whole process of making games like it just takes such a long time and there's so many hidden traps that you can fall into um of like you know hitting bugs or like implementing something that doesn't work out exactly as you expected it to and then you have to redesign it as you go and now it's like there's you know there's a dozen dozen other things hooked into it depending on it that also break when you change it there's just so much that can go wrong and um the the experience of making a game and finishing it and releasing it is as I said earlier, it's just a, it's just a really valuable experience to have, um, which will make it easier to make your next game. So the sooner you can complete that loop of starting a project, getting it to finished and, and releasing it, or maybe not even releasing it, but 
um, getting it into a state that you are happy to call done. Um, that's like, that's that should be your first goal, really, I think. Um, and the smaller the game is, the quicker you can get to that point and the, the better your next game will be and the more informed you will be in all the decisions you make for your next game as well. Um, so that's my that's my top tip. I think is just aim small, and then when you think you're aiming small, aim even smaller. I think that's a really really good advice. I mean, I think we, I think if I'm right, I believe it was Street Cleaner and Brooks that said something very similar. They were talking about how people start with such ambitious pro like projects, and they need to just focus down on the core and get the core done. And if that's done, release it. But you can always add on later. Like, don't sure. try and overwhelm yourself with a million things when you could just focus on 100. Yeah, yeah. And also, actually, I, I, something else which really helped me um, to to actually get to that point, like something that's a bit more practical, I guess, is um, this idea of, like, putting rocks in a jar. Have you heard this analogy for, like, for, for projects? I have, maybe. I, I don't know if I know exactly where you're going. Okay, so so um, this is some advice that I had a few years back um, working on a project, um, and it and it really helps me like day to day managing my tasks. Um, so so imagine that um, each pro each task you do to finish your project is a is a rock, and you're putting the rocks into a jar, and the jar represents the time you've got to complete the project. Right. So so when that jar is full, you've run out of time. Um, if you spend your time putting in tiny rocks, so like little bitty tasks that aren't that important, um, you will fill up the jar and then you won't have any more space to put in the big stuff. So you'll run out of time and you haven't done the important things. If you start with the big ones, then you've got space to fill in the gaps um, with the little stuff. Um, you need to make sure that you like hit those big um tick those big important boxes off first and then like come back and do the smaller stuff when there's time. And by the way, there probably won't be time <laughs> because you'll, because stuff takes longer than you expect. Like you will, you'll be surprised how much stuff you have to cut. So like make sure that the stuff you're cutting is the stuff that isn't that important that you don't actually care that much about. And that isn't going to sell copies if that's your goal. All right. I hope you guys liked what Matt Glanville said there. Um, I think it is really big for indies to really focus in and make sure that you are hitting your mark. You don't want to have too much on your plate because you might not be able to get it done. And then if you can't get it done, it never gets out. So that's a problem. Uh, the second team that we talked to here is Creaky Lantern Games. Um, we spoke about the release of Street Cleaner, the video game for the Nintendo Switch. And in episode 31, which was the first time we spoke with Brooks and Jesse, they gave great advice of just ship the product, finish the game, send it. People get so good at starting a game, but they never finish it. So we revisited them for that Nintendo Switch release in episode 47, where they spoke about getting the word out about the game, how important it is. And if you don't let anybody know it's there, nobody's going to find it. Um, and Jesse put this really well and Brooks followed it up perfectly. Like I think it is great advice for any kind of creative, whether you're into drawing, painting, visual arts or uh, music or anything, anything in this 
spectrum of arts, period, and creatives, this is great advice for you. So check that out. The last time we spoke was, I believe the episode went live the day your game also went live. So uh, what was it like to finally launch the game? I know we had a pretty extensive conversation last time about the advice you would give to indie devs and that being get it done. Like ship the product. Don't work on it over and over and over and try and go so far with it. Like work on the bare bones, make something that functions that you like, and then get it sent. So what was it like to finally launch that game? Yeah, launch day is always the most nerve-wracking thing. Uh, I think for me especially, because I'm the one that if something's broken, I have to fix it. Like that's that's not Jesse's domain. That's all <laughs> me. So I'm a nervous wreck when it goes live. Uh, my my job on launch day is to make sure as many people know about it, <laughs> that it's out there, you know, and 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 to get it seen. Because I mean, we could. We could we could deliver a diamond, but if nobody knows it's there, then you know what good does it do? You know. Yeah, I always say that's kind of like the biggest problem from up and coming artists in I think any field, music, video games, whatever, is you can make good stuff, and people will like it. Whatever you make, people are going to like it. The hard part is finding the people that will like it and getting them to know that it just exists. Now that's some pretty solid advice in such a short amount of time. They said some good stuff there that can really make you think as an artist. Um, the next team we spoke with was Astro Crow Games. This was a really good interview. I thought they had a lot to say and a lot of advice to give um, from multiple spectrums. I mean, you had the art side from Karis and the development and coding side from Brian. And it was really cool to see these two people come together and create such a cool game. Um, so, They've been working on Highlight Heroes for a little while now, and it is coming to the arcades soon. Um, it's going to take some time to get there, but they're working on it, and I really hope it comes out sooner rather than later so that I can get my hands on it. In episode 46, Brian and Karis talked about what ex- what you should expect when jumping into a game from the position of coding and development on Brian's side and art on Karis' side, and they have a lot to say here. So enjoy this clip and really take it for what it is and... Don't miss anything. Enjoy. Um, So I guess on the side of indie games and future indie developers, what kind of advice would you give to people that are interested in making a game from a development standpoint and from an art standpoint? Okay. Uh, From a development standpoint, it's a lot more work than you think. Um, (laughs) I will will say that. Got to be honest, right out of the gate. It it is a lot more work than you think. I always tell my students, like, it's less about the idea and more about the execution. Like, what is what is throwback highlight heroes? On paper, it's uh, NBA Jam, but highlight. And now we've been, it's about four and a half years in development, right? So that's not just because we also work full-time jobs, uh, but it's because to make something where I feel comfortable releasing it, saying, like, this is a, a well-polished game with no bugs, no game-breaking bugs, and no, um, you know, inconsistencies in the art, and everything looks nice and feels nice, and, like, it takes so much more than you think. Like, the, I've had the, the controller, the actual, like, control scheme for the game has roughly been the same since the first, like, three months of development. I've rolled with that and we just added extra polish on top. I fixed little bugs. I've added more things that communicate things to the player. Like how do they know, 
whose turn it is. How do they know where the ball is going to land? How do they know um, if a point is about to be scored uh, and the game's over? Things like that. How many credits you have left? So that's all the minutia that ends up taking up all of that time where the, the initial like prototype, right? The vertical slice or whatever you have you, that takes no time at all. And, and so many indie devs, they end up uh, getting very frustrated and just leaving once they, they, they see they have the potential in a product or whatever game. And then they, <laughs> they realize, Oh no, to get all of this working, to get all of this uh, uh, captivating and um, work feeling good and playing well and having a good balance that takes way too much time. And I see a lot of, of people who just drop off at that point. So you have to have a good uh, wherewithal. You also have to make sure you don't scope yourself too large. Uh, so many students, they say, I've got an idea for a game. I go, let me guess. Is it an MMO with where the choices uh, you do greatly affect the outcome of the game? They're like, yes. I'm like, you will not do that. You will never finish <laughs> that game. It will not be done. Um, so you have to think small. And then, you know, if it has some sort of success or there's some uh, momentum behind it, then you can put more time and effort and maybe hire more people. But it's also very, you have to be kind of humble. Um, and if you go in thinking your first game is going to make you a million dollars, you might be very disappointed. Also, uh, you might be a little delusional when you go to show people and you're like, look how awesome this game is. And you've ignored the fact that there's other games that exist. And then you, you're like, what about my game would stand out? Why would someone play my game as opposed to someone else's? And, you know, you can still make that as like a hobbyist. But if you go into an actual marketplace, there has to be a reason that someone would choose your game other than the fact that they know you. Right. It, like if they would choose yours out of a lineup, not knowing who made it. Uh, so you have to have a lot of uh, work ethic to, to get it to that point. Time and patience. Mm -hmm. Art. So it's a lot more work than you think. Um, <laughs> I think we I, heard that from someone. <laughs> yeah, no, it's seriously... Um, like, like I said, the first three weeks that we worked on this, we created a framework of the whole product. And I would stick by that. Anybody who wants to make their own, you know, make a sentence, decide the art direction early and don't deviate from that. Decide your color palette and don't deviate from that. Um, and, and all those things are great, but they're just the starting point because after that, it's the hours and hours of grueling, uh, you know, asset development and, 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 you know, animation work and, you know, even if your idea is as silly as let's add a hats, um, you're going to be uh, signing yourself up for hours and hours of, of work, you know, where your 1024 by 1024 character sheet has, you know, 200 frames in it. And each of those 200 frames now needs a pirate hat. Um, and that is just one of your many hats that you need to create, right? So, um, uh, you know, uh, in addition to just that, um, so if, if you are if if you are making a game and you're working on the artwork, um, I would recommend, of course, using texture atlases and sprite sheets. Um, but more than that, like plan for future assets in your sprite sheets so that you don't have to um, change the dimensions of it retroactively. And um, th this is something that I continue to do on purpose, like. It, even if I make a small asset, I will make sure that the texture atlas is a little bit larger to anticipate future and uh, sprites and other things that I can imp uh, implement into that same sheet. Of course, keeping everything into the grid. 
uh, and keeping the grid consistent because if not, you're going to have to redo all that work and you're going to have a, somebody's going to be grumbling about it, right? Um, uh, you know, don't be afraid to just have fun. Um, and the more fun that you have making your assets, I, I believe strongly the more fun is carried through when someone is playing it. Um, you know, make sure to, and I've already mentioned this, but make sure you practice all of your 12 principles of animation and just pack it in, in there as much as you can, if that's your jam in the game that you're making, right? Not all games have to be like that. Some of them can be very stoic and very uh, uh, static. You know, there's a lot of beautiful games that are like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I love doing this. And if anybody else wants to do this too, just know what you're signing up for because it seems like um, it seems like it's easier than than programming. Um, but someone who also programs, um, I know that it's just a different kind of hard. And you know, and that that's not to be uh, just kind of glazed over. You have to use an entirely different part of your visual spatial brain to to accomplish much more complicated and diverse tasks. Uh, even though everything that Brian does is important, everything that I do is important. And if either of us is not um, maintaining our side of things, the game isn't going to be as successful. Um, you know, you, you can't have cool looking art and okay gameplay. You have to have, you know, one or the other. And preferably, you got both. So uh, it just makes everything better, right? I'll say that you also have to. Um communicate with each other so that way it can be they can work together right so not even the, all disciplines so it's like not just the art the artist has to talk to the the sound designer as well as the gameplay designer and then it creates that effect on the player where it's subliminal and it just works and it just feels right so when we added new artwork and sound effects to the player controller all these people were giving me compliments on how well i've tweaked the gameplay and I just say, thank you. Awesome. <laughs> they didn't know that it's been the exact same gameplay model. I'm like, yeah, I've been really working hard. Mm -hmm. um, but it's because everything just comes together and makes it like perfect storm of that, that illusion in your head of like, oh, this is that character. I am that character. I'm, I'm controlling him in this world. Balance. I think the word of the day is balance. Because mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you, you need that. <laughs> you can't have one without the other. Now, the last clip is from episode 43, where we interviewed Tomas, the creator of Black Emperor. Um, and the game got picked up by Bumblebear Games. This was a pretty early project for him, so it shows that if you are just getting into development, you can make something that people are very interested in, and it can become something great. Um, he talks a lot about the creative process, which it's really cool that he came from film first and then moved into video games. So you can really see that he has a unique perspective. It's a little bit different than everybody else's perspective of just jumping straight into games or coming from an art perspective. It's a little bit different. So he basically talks about not being afraid to shovel a project if it's not going great and start a new project because you can always revisit it and maybe it's different than your original thought on the project. Um, I thought it was a great way to kind of put it. And he also had one line in there that really got me, which is you can't be creative when you're not creating. So you need to like really get in there and, Trial by error. I mean, jump into the fire head first and see if you can do it. And maybe you have a better idea come from that time you were there. So here's some great advice from him in a little clip. Check it out. Let us know what you think. 
Um, I guess as a new developer, I'm curious as to what advice you would give people that are interested in creating video games. What advice would you give them to just get them started? You know, I mean, the hardest part of doing anything or creating anything is getting going. What would you say to them to kind of give them that that push forward? That's a tough one because I don't consider myself like a super expert on the on how but but I could give like the advice to an old me who's just starting if that's fair enough. Yeah, that's totally fair. Prototype a lot, playtest a lot, trash ideas a lot. So build it and don't be afraid to throw it out. Yeah, and don't be afraid like people don't like it either. I think when I was just starting off, I was like kind of afraid that people were, were not liking it because there's like a certain moment where, where you show a prototype and you're like, and, and somebody who's play testing is like, ah, oh, this sucks or, or it doesn't say it to your face, but you know that that's what they are thinking. And you're like, oh, but I know like I'm not showing them the real version, you know? And, and I think that's a prompt of either work harder <laughs> Or, like, don't take it so seriously and just don't be afraid to trash it and go on to the next prototype. Like, I have, like, a, uh, somebody that... This was before, like, the video game era, My video game era, like, in the filmmaking era. But who was saying, like, you can only be creative when making. And, and I think that holds true uh, for video games, at least. Though I think in, in my case, like, I love prototyping, but I don't love doing final products. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think that's a, a different story. But if you're just starting out, I think doing a lot of prototypes would work. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hearing just try it. I mean, like, you can always spend some time and make something. And if it doesn't turn out the way you want, you could start over. Like, it, it's not the end of the world if you need to start over on a project. And not everybody makes their best project right away you probably had plenty of prototypes yeah and you know what like trash it might be a little bit harsh not not you put it that way like for example with the with the story of uh, how black emperor came to be like this was my first prototype and probably uh, i was not happy with it like i had this idea and then it was my my first try and i said wow this video game making is so hard and then I, like i had like the possibility like a couple of years later, like, what do you want to do? And, and I decided, like, to take that prototype, take the dust off, and, like, polish it out. And now it's an arcade cabinet. So it's not a, maybe it's not about, like, trashing it, but maybe you can save it until you learn enough to know how to execute it. You know? Yeah, put it on the shelf for later. Right. I think, I think, I think that's it. And, uh, and don't, don't take criticism too seriously might not be because like the game sucks or anything it might just be because your capacities are are not there yet in order to execute the amazing idea that you have or something yeah i mean the other thing is maybe the game's not done you know i mean if you're in prototype and you're testing clearly the game isn't done so if they don't like it you can take that feedback and use it as improvement don't take it as as harsh criticism i agree i agree that's that's like a super positive vision there's also like the the other side of the blade which is like I don't know at the end it's, it's super personal you know but, but people who keep trying on some idea like I know this like you play it and you feel like it, it's not the prototype is not going anywhere and you feel like you understood 
what they were going for and it's still not gonna work out and you see some people like trying and trying and trying doesn't work and doesn't work and doesn't work and, and sometimes you say like oh they should just give up you know and sometimes you have to like sometimes that happens to you too so so it's also like being honest okay maybe this sucks I'm just gonna go to the next idea you know it's like a double-edged sword like I, I guess that's where the first mode of expression was coming from don't be afraid of trashing the idea and go to the next one like don't become too obsessed with with one thing maybe you can put it on pause and move to the other thing you just like maintain yourself in creative movement and for those creative juices to to keep on surfacing yeah just make sure you're moving you can you can always right. take that idea put it on the shelf work on something else and maybe an inspiration from that next project gives you that missing piece you needed for the last project exactly maybe that moves you forward or maybe you're creating a single player and you put it in the shelf and two years later you take the dust off and you take it off the shelf and it's not a single player it's actually like i don't know a horror game <laughs> like a horror multiplayer game <laughs> it can all, it can always change you never know yeah all right so we got some great advice from them there this is from all of the creators. I think this is amazing just for anybody that wants to create a video game or anything in the future. And you can really take this advice to heart and get going with it. Best of luck on creation. Um, again, I want to say thank you for checking the episode out. I'll throw links to some of these episodes in the description so you can find those and watch the whole episode. Um, if you like what we're doing here at Indie Arcade Wave, don't forget to subscribe, share, and like, whether you're on the podcast or on YouTube. Um, it means the world to us. It really helps. And like I said, we've got some merch coming. So check out the Instagram. Be ready for that. Um, pins, shirts, hopefully in the future, and a whole bunch of other stuff. If you want to support us on Patreon, it means the world. It helps us a ton. Um, just for paying for things here and there. And it allows us to get more merch in the future. So until next time, peace. <laughs>